Welcome back, everybody, to Plans 10-Minute Podcast, your podcast for all things commercial and residential building services related. I am your host, Ryan Diver, and joined with me, from also from Plan Companies, is Ruel Williams, our Vice President of the D.C. and Mid-Atlantic area. Ruel, how are you doing today? I'm doing great today, Ryan. Uh, super excited for my first opportunity to be on the, the Plan Podcast, so great day, great stuff. Awesome. And we're really glad to have you. Uh, and it's especially special because, uh, you know, we were able to have Ruel recommend uh, somebody who is in the multifamily housing market. Uh, joined with us today is Candace Manning. She is the Director of Workforce Development for the Maryland Multi-Housing Organization. Uh, Candace, thank you so much for joining us today. No, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. I've always been a fan of plans, so love the effort. And uh, yeah, it's going to be good stuff. Good stuff. Awesome. So uh, Candace, well, you know, before we get started, why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about yourself, how you kind of like got into the, the industry and everything like that? Absolutely. So hello again, everyone. I'm Candace Manning. Um, I actually worked in the multifamily realm for about 15 years, uh, starting in leasing uh, and had a couple different roles until I worked my way up into, to a property manager. Um, as a property manager, I had the pleasure of managing teams as large as 28, as small as six. I've had the pleasure of managing high-rise buildings, garden-style buildings, uh, multiple buildings at once, uh, and and my focus and passion has always been team. Found myself uh, very happy in multifamily, but just more passionate about the people and the, develop the, the development portion. So I started training back in 2018, uh, just doing, doing classes for the Maryland Multi-Housing Association for AOBA. And more recently, I took a leap uh, and went independent for a little while, was doing some training until I landed with the Maryland Multi-Housing Association. Uh, so spent several years as a property manager. My first love was always leasing, um, opened a building. But when it comes to multifamily, I am your girl. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so quickly going off that, right? You said you spent a lot of time as property manager, where the vendor uh, on that side so kind of that relationship is something that every property manager is going to have to go through. Uh, so is there any best practices and, you know, that you'd recommend for other property managers when they're trying to build a relationship with a vendor? Yeah, absolutely. Vendor relationships can be quite complicated, but they're extremely important because good property managers understand that uh, your physical asset is it's why you're there, right? You're really managing the asset and the service. Um, so in regards to vendor relationships, there are two, two big important factors, trust and accountability. And when I say trust and accountability, that falls on both realms, right? On the end of the vendor and on the end of the property manager or the community, the team. So on the property manager side, one of the things that I typically did with new vendors was I set expectations. Uh, you're always going to have meetings before you give any contract. Um, and after the meeting, I followed up in writing with actual vendor expectations, expectations that were simple, achievable, what I considered to be smart, but so that we were both clear on what was expected on their end. Um, when you're starting a new vendor relationship, that is really the time that you want to be kind of fostering that relationship, checking in, giving feedback, but always also setting the expectations with the vendor from the beginning that you're going to be giving them the feedback. 
so they can get familiar with what you're looking for. Um, what you often find, and, and it's actually very unfortunate, it's not fair to the vendor, is that property managers and teams will kind of not be happy, but no one wants to have the conversation. And then the poor vendor is all confused and lost when six months down the road, we figure out this isn't working out. Well, why? Did we talk about it? Were we clear on that expectation from the beginning? So that feedback in the beginning of the relationship is so important and it has to be ongoing. Now, as you set expectations, check in on work, give the feedback, you start to establish trust. Because a couple of things I was looking for as a property manager was vendor response and how did they handle it, right? Um, and are they applying the feedback you give? Once the trust is established, then you can go ahead and give your vendor some grace when or if things happen. Because let's face it, in property management, that's what we're managing. In some ways, we're managing chaos. We have a lot going on. Things are going to happen. But the vendor in the beginning has that, I don't like to call it show and prove time, but they need to build with the property manager, service manager specifically, um, so that trust is established. So when things happen, we already trust you. We know you're going to handle it. Now, that's kind of what I feel should be set for the vendor. But on the same note, the property manager or the community service manager, whoever is dealing directly with the vendor, um, side note, I always recommend that we empower our service managers to be dealing with most of your vendors. That's just a way to develop your team. But on the property manager end or whoever is dealing with the vendor, we want to make sure that the vendors are paid on time. I cannot be giving Important. you feedback. <laughs> yes, right? So I, here, you know you're going to deal with me. I have these expectations and we're in this ongoing coaching process, right? Where we're offering feedback, but then it is now my obligation to make sure that my, my invoices are paid timely. And if there's a discrepancy in an invoice to communicate that in a timely manner so they can correct it. The other thing is... It is also an obligation, in my humble opinion, of the property manager to be responsive to the vendor. Often vendors will bring uh, concerns to your attention and it's like, okay, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. But the reality is, is that obstacle they're bringing to your attention may pose challenges for them to complete their job to the standard that you have created. So it's very much twofold. It's very much ongoing. Um, and it's something that we have to, as property managers, have to be accountable on our end as well. It's easy to say the vendor didn't do this, but what role did you play? Were you clear on what was expected? Did you get up out your seat and look at the work? Did you check in, especially in the beginning? Um, so those are some of my best practices. And especially as you grow in your position or do start to manage more than one assets um, or have a larger team, it is very important that the property manager is involved with new vendors from the beginning. That's really good stuff. I love it. I love it. I, I want to piggyback and just ask two questions before I go to our next main sure. point. Uh, can just based off what you shared already. Um, when you talk about feedback and setting expectations, um, how important is it? Because I hear that from you, like the property manager needs to set expectations and give good feedback. How important is it um, that um, a, a space where the vendor can also share feedback and suggestions um, and, you know, like be, be very candid. How important is that in, in the developing of a long-term trusting relationship? 
It is so important. Um, and one of the things I recommend before any major project happened in any or at any community that I worked at, there was always a meeting. And my team would laugh at me like, we always have to have a meeting. We need a meeting. I prefer that they're face to face because two things, as you're establishing expectations for the vendor, you also want to be uh, getting them familiar with your style. So for example, when I sit with any vendor, I'm, you know, I'm very clear on what I expect, but I also let them know if they need anything from me to feel free to contact me or make sure that they have the appropriate channels on who to contact if something goes wrong. Um, that's actually extremely important because there are sometimes vendors take the fall for things that were really, I don't want to say not their fault, but maybe they didn't have the tools and resources they needed to be able to complete the job. For example, if you are cleaning a building and it is our responsibility to provide paper and you provide liquids, for some reason, my bathroom is never stocked, but we never ordered the paper towels. Is that really the vendor's fault? But that's where having that safe space to speak um, comes into play. But it also goes back to what I was saying. We have a responsibility as property managers to be responsive to our vendors. Right. Good stuff. I love it. Last, and I'm going to go to my main question. I promise, Ryan. <laughs> I want to just piggyback. I want to ask one more thing um, because I know that we're going to have property managers watching and, and vendors will be watching too. Uh, our team will be watching. When we talk about selecting a vendor from a property manager's perspective, um, can you talk just a little bit about the importance of like low price versus best value and how we're looking at that? That is a great, uh, a great question because we all have budgets, right? But what everybody wants to remember is a budget is a forecast. Um, and if something is important to you and you have a good argument uh, for quality, my recommendation, um, <laughs> me personally, I've always probably uh, broken budget rules. Uh, and I don't say that in a good way. Um, I always make it back and, and, and improve return, right? But sometimes you do need to look at quality because there's only two parts to what we really do, right? And mm -hmm. well, more than two, but service is a right. huge determinant of success of any community. So if you are compromising your service just because you want the lowest price, your residents are going to feel it, your aura scores, your online reputation, these are things that affect you long-term, which will affect your leasing, which is the only income driver in the building. So it sounds small, but if somebody's working at your front desk in their contract or you're a cleaner in their contract and you got them at a low price, but the service sucks, what happens? So if, if one vendor is a little bit, uh, you know, costs a little bit more, but has better quality, two parts. Nothing beats a failure, but a try. I'm quick to ask, hey, is this negotiable? I want to work for, I want to work with you, but I can't go past this. If they can, well, they can. If they so can't, good. they can't, right? Right, um, right. But on the same note, sometimes you do get what you pay for. And so one trick of the trade that I've learned, if you are an income-driven manager, which I always have been, um, and sometimes you are going to go a little bit above budgets, um, once you've proven yourself as a property manager, you'll find that your managers are going to trust your decisions and you'll make it up because you'll make more money because now everybody's happy. Now you can raise the rent. Now more people are coming because the building's so clean, because everything's happening as it should, but I pay for what I need personally. I love it. I love it. Oh, great. That's great stuff. Thank you for that. Okay, I do have another question that, that, I'm, sure. that I'm supposed to ask. So uh, tell us about any examples of times 
uh, where something went wrong with a vendor and like, and then what could have been done differently or what did you learn from it? How did you handle it? That type. Well, unfortunately, unfortunately, I have a lot of those examples. Um, but, you know, again, you kind of expect that things are going to go wrong when you're managing, you know, sometimes we're managing assets that are worth $73 million. And we look at it as a small task, but you're maintaining a physical asset. Um, so I can give you a few examples. Um, but let's go to one that was actually hard for me. So when it comes to business, typically, I am very much able to... Um, it's just business, right? I'm still going to sleep well at night is what I always say. But I had a vendor who I worked with for years who did a wonderful job for me um, in, in some of my early buildings. Uh, so when I went to open a new building, I automatically brought them with me to handle the cleaning. Now, when you are in a new building, you kind of ramp up services, right? Because you don't have people in it. So initially you have cleaning maybe only two or three times a week because there's only 20 people there and that kind of thing. Um, very long story short, as, as we grew, uh, they just didn't have enough people and I did have a budget. Now, because we had a relationship, I'm like, look, this is my budget now but let's make this work. And I know what the budget's going to be. Like I've been working with you for years, but the quality of service was not good. Before. So what I did was first I walked with the site manager. Then I went directly to the owner. And then I said, maybe my approach is not working because I am direct. I told my assistant, you can handle it because I'm going to fire them. Handle it. My assistant who was very well-versed had been a property manager before pretty much did the same things, wrote out some expectations, walked with the cleaners. Um, unfortunately, it still was not working out. Um, you know, stairwells were dirty. And for me, the basics of a building, and of course you have vendors that deliver everything, right? But cleaning is something that I expect in every building. I don't care if it's a C-level asset, uh, it's built in 1965, a resident should walk home to a spotless building and somebody should be responsive. Uh, so unfortunately, I had to make the, the decision to terminate that relationship after working with them for almost seven years. Um, it was not business. It was, I'm sorry, it was not personal. It was absolutely business. But before I terminated the relationship, you're talking about four months of trying, four months of complaints, four months of me going cleaning things up myself because we had established trust previously. And sometimes what you find is just the crews that they have in one area aren't as strong as the crews in another area. And the other part that vendors should remember, vendors need to remember that once you build that relationship, you can't take advantage of that. You can still, they can still move on. Like just right. because I love you personally, doesn't mean that you will be the one doing the work if the work's not getting done. I love it. You know, I love how you came full circle though, uh, because you started with building trust and giving grace. And even in your example, you talked about the fact that four months is a lot of grace to give, uh, but it's because you had built the trust, so you wanted to give them a chance. And I, I think it's it's beautiful to hear that because, I mean, it's the responsibility of the vendor then to kind of live up to the trust they've earned. Um, I tell my team all the time, when a property manager approves your contract or endorses your contract with their uh, in multifamily world, it could be investors and ownership groups or just their, their regional or in the HOA condo world. It could be a board. When they put their stamp of approval and say, I want to approve this contract, they put their reputation on the line for you. And so as the vendor, when we operate, I, I tell my team to remember that that property manager endorsed us. And so when we fail, that impacts them. If we don't live up to the promises we made, 
it reflects poorly on them and they they have to own that. And so protect that relationship, uh, protect that endorsement, protect that trust by delivering uh, on your service promise and, and your brand promise every single day. So thank you for that. Great, great answer. You literally, you, 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 you just, yeah, you spoke to my heart because um, it's, it's tough. Once the trust is established, you want this to work. And actually you said something very key. I went to a new company and took them to a new company. Mm. I was still building my own reputation. Right. That probably right. did not reflect so well on me. And, uh, you know, I am a strong believer that your reputation is all you have. So right. if I if I put my stamp on it, it means that I can personally vouch for it. So, you know, I'm glad that that we're able to, to talk about things like this. Yeah. This is good. This is good. This is good. Really good. Great, Ryan. Thank you. No, it, uh, we've talked a, a lot about, uh, you know, the, the vendor relationship uh, with property manager, but I want to get kind of another side of uh you know, being a property manager, is there any advice, let's say somebody who's just starting out, doesn't have to be vendor specific, but just any advice that you could give to somebody who, you know, they're new to this industry and, and they, it's, it's a lot to take on, right? You, you mentioned it before, this is a big asset and it's a, somebody's living, breathing asset worth a bunch of money. How do you go about, uh, you know, handling that? Great question. So advice to a new property manager would be, well, a couple things, but I'll, I'll keep it succinct. The first thing is that um, the higher you move up, the lonelier it gets. Your team, as much as you love them, keep the relationship professional. They're not your friends. If for some reason you have to make a decision that's best for a business, it's much harder if you were out drunk with them the night before or they know everything about your personal life. Keep it professional. Um, if nothing else, people will always admire the fact that you remain professional. The second thing I would tell a new property manager is, <laughs> um, well, so much, right? But I would tell a new property manager, empower your team. Congratulate their mistakes. Allow them to grow. You're not good. So when I would get kudos, and I honestly often did from my owners, I would always push it back to my team. It's really not me, it's the team. You're only as good as your weakest link, right? And, and the, it's a coachable environment. So the entire time that you're a property manager, you should be pouring into developing a team to make your job easy. And I used to tell my team, the test is when I can sit back and paint my nails. Now I never did that, right? But I was working to develop them. And then the last piece of advice um, that I would give a property manager is know your physical asset a lot of times we're promoted because of our skill set um, and property managers are great with office and admin, but that project management and knowing your physical asset, knowing the difference between a pitch roof and a flat roof, understanding if you have a split system, if you have a heat pump, how can you possibly manage a maintenance team if you have no idea how long a ticket should take? If you don't understand the basics of the physical assets. So really remember, that's what we're doing, protecting the asset, providing service and building a team. But that is the one area that I find that new property managers are so focused where, you know, we're, we got it. I'm going to come in. I'm going to lease it up. That's great. You got to lease it up. You got to do all that stuff. But great managers know their team and their asset. And I'm hopefully I wasn't too wordy on that. <laughs> no, that was that was amazing. That's I mean, I think that's really good career advice for anybody uh, moving up the chain in any in any business. I would say uh, that that's solid advice uh, uh, for everybody watching this. Take notes. Uh, that's good <laughs> for your advancement. Really, really good. Thank you for that.
<laughs> my pleasure. Yeah, so I mean, I, Candace, obviously, you're, you're a very ambitious person and somebody who is definitely not going to just sit back. Uh, so we know that you have uh, something, you know, big things coming up for you in the future. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? Yes, since you mentioned it. So hello, everyone again. So right now in my new role um, with the Maryland Multi-Housing Association, we are doing something that has never been done before. Our industry right now um, and all across the country, we're in the middle of the big quit. People are resigning from their positions left and right, and the multifamily realm is no different. So we have created and we are launching a leasing training academy in conjunction with Employee Prince George's. Uh, it is basically a four-week comprehensive program designed by me. Um, and by the way, it's always weird to say this, but just to establish why I would be qualified to do that. Supposedly, I was really good in leasing. I have just a few awards, landed just a couple uh, big deals that have never been done before. Uh, and so this academy, essentially, individuals can apply online on our website, which is mmhalta.org. Org. And at, um, on that website, they'll apply, they'll interview with me, be accepted, they'll go through this program, and then we have already secured partners who have agreed to interview and hire our students. So we are introducing people to leasing opportunities. Um, when I say that this training is thorough, it is different. I mean, we are going to talk, touch on everything from the importance of the guest card to marketing, outreach, social media, um, the tour, successful sales strategies, basic business writing, right? And then the last week is designed just for uh, what I call polishing professionalism, soft skills, conflict resolution, um, hiring, how to land that job. So I'm extremely excited for the last three months I have been living and breathing the Leasing Training Academy, uh, but our first class launches in, on, I'm sorry, on January 5th, uh, and we will be delivering our first leasing league to the multifamily game mid-February. So if you know anyone who's interested, or if you're an owner manager um, in the Prince George's area county, uh, and you want to be a partner, you want to learn more about this, they will be trained by me. And uh, we're really excited about it. Thank you for allowing me to talk about that. Hopefully everyone can feel my passion for this Leaping <laughs> Training Academy effort. We can feel it. We can yeah. feel it. So That's definitely uh, coming through. Yeah, quick question on that. So can anyone attend? I don't know if I missed. Is it anyone or do they have to just go log in and is there costs associated or? Good question. Great question. So right now the, uh, the program is limited to Prince, residents of Prince George's County. Now okay. we are already in talks of expansion um, and, you know, taking the model to other places. There is no cost associated with the program if you are a resident of Prince George's County, because we have partnered with Employee Prince George's essentially to take care of the funding. So yeah, there's always a cost, right? But Employee Prince George's is working with the individuals to cover the costs. Um, so right now it's Prince George's County residents, but we're hoping that this expands um, very near and dear to my heart. And I, I can tell you, I mean, I'm, I, I'm nobody, but I am putting everything that I possibly have into making this not only a success, but you know, when my students arrive, they're going to leasing lands. Oh, I love it. Okay. I love it. <laughs> all right. All right. Good stuff. I hope everybody uh, in PG County that watches this goes and signs up and partners with you guys to make it happen. And if you're in Maryland and you're in the multifamily uh, world, you should join MMHA uh, planned. We're members. Uh, we love it. Uh, Makia, 
who's not with us today, I think is a part of the education committee. Yes. yes. Um, so she's uh, an executive director here with Plan Companies, but she comes from the multifamily management world. Um, Akia was 15 years in and she crossed over to the service side. And so now she's uh, she's killing it with Plan, but she's also um, linking up with Candace and MMHA to, to expand Plan into that, into that area. So join MMHA if you haven't already. All right? Good yes. stuff. Thank you. I have one more thing to say. I'm sorry. You just sure. made me think of it. But, you know, the other part of my job is education. Um, so we have wonderful classes at the Maryland Multi-Housing Association. My favorite class that I facilitate personally is a two-day leadership coaching and mentoring class. But check out the Maryland Multi-Housing Association educational offerings. Uh, we offer a variety of classes. And in 2023, we are actually launching classes like uh, politics in the workplace, embracing accountability, um, all kinds of cool stuff. So um, yes, you know, it's all about training your people so you can sit back and paint your nails. No, I'm just joking, but thank you guys. <laughs> no problem. Candace, thank you so much for coming on. It has uh, been a pleasure. Uh, let everybody know where they can find you personally. You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Candace Manning. You can also find uh, a lot of me on the Leasing Training Academy Facebook and Instagram pages. My first class that I was uh, able to facilitate and what I kind of became, I don't want to say popular for, but known for was social media. So follow me on social. The Leasing Training Academy is certainly going to be an experience. Uh, but yeah, follow me on LinkedIn. If you have any questions, I'm all things workforce. Uh, and I love the fact that uh, you guys thought enough of me to have me here. And just as a side note, I think very highly of planned. Um, and as you can probably tell from this, I have high expectations. I actually worked with them in the past um, and they did not tell me to say that. <laughs> Thank, Thank you so, you much, so much. We appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you everybody for listening today. Uh, this has been another episode of Plans 10 Minute Podcast. Please remember to like, comment, subscribe. You can find us anywhere that you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, all that good stuff. Uh, Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time. See ya.